0: Welcome to another episode of The Central Word, a podcast ministry of Central Baptist Church, Texarkana, Arkansas. Today's episode is from the morning message of Sunday, May 14th, and it's preached by our pastor, Brother Mike Sylvie. Our desire is that this message builds you up in your faith as you walk daily with Christ. Here now is Brother Mike, preaching from 1 Samuel chapter 1, A message titled, A Highly Favored Mother.
1: Hey, move up closer to the TV. How in the world can you see that thing that far back? Let me smell that shirt. Yeah, it's good for another week. Well, if Timmy's mom says it's okay, that's, o- that's enough for me. I don't have a tissue with me, something you never hear a mother say. Just use your sleeve. <laughs> and here's the last one. Don't bother wearing a jacket. The wind chill is bound to improve. You never hear mother say that. I never heard my mother say that. I am thankful for my mother. She was a great mother, is a great mother. Um, She's probably listening to this, um, and so I better get this straight. She has been a faithful, godly mother in our family all these years. And she still today works hard taking care of us, and I'm thankful for her. Today we're going to look at another highly favored mother, and that is the mother Hannah. Hannah's name means favored one. Now she's not highly favored because she had everything great and she was a perfect mother. No, the very opposite we're going to see in this story that she had a lot of difficulties in her life. She didn't do everything just right, but the Lord was with her. She surrendered herself to the Lord, and as she did that, the Lord made it so that she was a highly favored mother. And so let's look at the story of Hannah today. And let's see how all of us need to surrender ourselves to the Lord. And as we do that, we too can see the Lord's high favor bestowed upon us. As you look at Hannah's life, I think that uh, you could, as you look at it as a story, you could say that her life story uh, is in three chapters. In the first chapter, I'll call from pain pain. To prayer. These are the opening verses of the chapter. The Bible says, "Now there was a certain man of Ramathiam, Zophim of the mountains of Ephraim, and his name was Elkanah, the son of Jeraham, the son of Elihu, the son of Tohu, the son of Zoph." There's some great baby names for you, <laughs> and Ephraimite. And he had two wives. The name of one was Hannah, and the name of the other was Penina. Penina had children, but Hannah had no children. This man went up from his city yearly to worship and sacrifice to the Lord of hosts in Shiloh. Also the two sons of Eli, Hophni and Phinehas, the priest of the Lord, were there. And whenever the time came for Elkanah to make a offering... He would give portions to Penina, his wife, and to all her sons and daughters. But to Hannah, he would give a double portion, for he loved Hannah, although the Lord had closed her womb. And a rival also provoked her severely to make her miserable, because the Lord had closed her womb. So it was year by year when she went up to the house of the Lord that she, Penina, provoked her. Therefore, she, Hannah, wept and did not... Then Elkanah, her husband, said to her, Hannah, why do you weep? Why do you not eat? Why is your heart grieved? Am, Am I not better to you than ten sons? So Hannah arose after they had finished eating and drinking in Shiloh. Now Eli the priest was sitting on the seat by the doorpost of the tabernacle of the Lord, and she was in bitterness of soul and prayed to the Lord and wept in anguish. Hannah had pain. There is no mother that has it perfect and easy and has no pain. This is the nature of motherhood. It begins with pain, and it continues with pain. And Hannah was a mother. Even though she was highly favored, she knew tremendous pain in her life. She had a built-in rival at home. Her husband had another wife. It was in those days in which Men did, even godly men, on occasion, did take more than one wife. And this wife had many sons and daughters, but Hannah had none. And it was God who had closed her womb. It appeared to her that God had forgotten her. God was leaving her out. God was against her. All this was the pain that Hannah felt. On top of all that, she she had a husband that didn't get it. Am I not better you than ten sons? (laughs) no you're not (laughs) and so that was her pain and at first she didn't deal with it correctly she turned inward, she began to weep all the time she turned outward, she went to her husband but then finally she turned upward and she began to pray and that's the truth that we find here at the beginning of Hannah's story is that as you deal with pain in your life, and mothers, you have a unique experience with pain. You hurt more deeply than anybody else because God's given you such a tender heart. And you'll deal with pain that other people don't know anything about. Hannah shows us here that a person deals with pain through prayer. Not looking inward, not looking outward, but looking upward to God. Mother's no pain. There are some of you that have already heard stories from other ladies in the room about what their children have done for them, and, and maybe you're still waiting, and your heart hurts a little bit. That's the nature of Mother's Day. There are some of you that cannot hear from your son or your daughter, and you hear others talking about it, and we recognize it, and just because we are, it, it hurts you a little bit. I'm well aware that Mother's Day, with all of its brightness and happiness and joy, can be a day of great sorrow and pain for many. There are some of you mothers that after you hear God's Word preached and taught, you'll say, if I just would have followed the Bible a little more closely, I would have been a better mother, and things would have been better. And your heart hurts a little bit. That's all the, the dynamic that goes into, and comes into play with a, a special day like this. How do you deal with the pain? Hannah shows us it's through prayer. I heard this quote recently. It's very, very good. I want to give it to you. Faith is fear that has said a prayer. Faith is fear that has said a prayer. How do we get through the pain? How do we get through the difficulty and the imperfections of our family and our life and our future? We get through it by looking upward to God in prayer. And we surrender ourselves to him. That's what Hannah did. And as she did that, her life was transformed. Her pain was transformed. Verse 18 says, after she prayed and went her way, the Bible says her face was no longer sad. So prayer transforms us. And you go to chapter 2. And you you find Hannah's prayer. Chapter 1 is Hannah's problem. Chapter 2 is Hannah's prayer. And you find this prayer actually gives us the reason why Hannah had a change in heart. And she became joyful. There are five benefits from prayer that we find here. I want to mention those to you very quickly. Verse 1 shows us that prayer replaces pain with joy. Look, look at how Hannah prayed in chapter 2, verse 1. And Hannah prayed and said, My heart rejoices in the Lord. My horn is exalted in the Lord. I smile at my enemies because I rejoice in your salvation. How do you deal with deep pain that sometimes nobody else even understands? You go to the one who does understand. And in those moments of prayer, when we abandon ourselves to him, he touches us. And he touches our hearts and he changes the pain into joy. Doesn't necessarily take the pain away or the circumstance away, but he adds his joy. Prayer is like that. Prayer is like a spiritual anesthetic that replaces pain with joy and peace. That's what Hannah experienced. A second benefit of prayer is that prayer takes the focus off you and puts it on the Lord. We see this in verse 2 of chapter 2. No one is holy like the Lord. Her focus changed. But there is none besides you, nor is there any rock like our God. Prayer gives us a heavenly focus. And that's what we need to be able to deal with the difficult circumstances of our life. Verse 3 gives us the third benefit, and that is prayer neutralizes lies from the enemy and clarifies truth from the Lord. Hannah prayed, Talk no more so very proudly. Let no ig- arrogance come from your mouth, for the Lord is the God of knowledge, and by him actions are weighed. We begin to hear truth and understand truth and see it more clearly as we pray. Then verse 4 through 9 of her prayer shows us the fourth benefit of prayer. The powerful benefit of prayer is also that prayer grants the right perspectives on life. Look at these amazing statements that Hannah makes in her prayer. The bows of the mighty men are broken, and those who stumbled are girded with strength. Those who were full have hired themselves out for bread, and the hungry have ceased to hunger. Even the barren has borne seven, and she who has many children has become feeble. The Lord kills and makes alive. He brings down to the grave and brings up. The Lord makes poor and makes rich. He brings low and lifts up. He raises the poor from the dust and lifts the beggar from the ash heap to set them among princes to make them inherit the throne of glory. For the pillars of the earth are the Lord's. He has set the world upon them. Death and life, riches and poverty, all these difficult experiences to go through in life, it's through prayer that we begin to understand the Lord's power and control and we see it from His viewpoint. And things begin to be clarified. Hannah only got this clarification as she prayed. And then number five, a fifth benefit of powerful, a powerful benefit of prayer that we see here is verses nine through ten. As prayer leads to Power that triumphs. She prayed, verse 9 He will guard the feet of his saints, but the wicked shall be silent in darkness. For by strength no man shall prevail. The adversaries of the Lord shall be broken in pieces. From heaven he will thunder against them. The Lord will judge the ends of the earth. He will give strength to his king and exalt the horn of his anointed. There have been times I've been praying and I've been thinking about a situation and, and it feels like there's no way this situation's ever going to turn around and be victorious. But then after a few moments of prayer in the Lord's presence, the Lord begins to assure me how he can do it as he's always done it. That he's done it before and he can do it again. And there's no limit to him. And there's no power that he can't bestow. And there's no victory that he can't give. And we we get in touch with that. We're reminded of that as, as we pray. And this is what was going on with Hannah. This is why her pain turned into a prayer. And how God used it in her life. She became a great person of prayer. And as a result, her son Samuel became a great person of prayer. The Bible shows us in the Old Testament that he was one of the great prophets and the way that he delivered people on many occasions is that he prayed. Before David ever defeated the Philistines, Samuel defeated the Philistines before him. And he did it without any weapons in his hand. First Samuel chapter 7 shows us that Samuel went and called the people together because the Philistines had gathered against them and he called the people together and he offered a sacrifice and he prayed. He didn't have a weapon in his hand. He just had prayer on his lips. And he prayed. And as he prayed, the Bible says, the Lord thundered from heaven with a great thunder. And he gave a great victory that day among the Philistines. And no weapons were in anybody's hands. It all came through prayer. How did Samuel learn how to pray that way? He had a mother that prayed that way. That's how. And God blessed that and used that. And so we all know pain. We all have difficulty. We all have issues in our life and in our families. But this is how we deal with the pain. We go to the Lord and we pray and we continue to pray till the Lord gives the victory. Theodore Roosevelt said that praying mothers are America's greatest assets. And I think that's true. Our mothers so often give themselves to the heart work of prayer. Sowed seeds in our life, and God blesses and waters over time to bring forth the victory that only he can bring. This is what we see from Hannah's life. But then chapter 2 of the story is she goes from prayer to a promise. If we look in chapter 1, we see she makes... A vow to the Lord in verse 11. The Bible says, Then she made a vow and said, O Lord of hosts, if you will indeed look on the affliction of your maidservant and remember me, and not forget your maidservant, but will give your maidservant a male child, then I will give him to the Lord all the days of his life, and no razor shall come upon his head. Now, what in the world was she talking about? Well, as she was praying, she did what we all should do, and that is our prayer should not just be about asking, about receiving, but also it should be about giving to the Lord, about making a commitment, a sacrifice to Him. And this is what she does. She makes a vow. She makes a promise to give her son to the Lord, if the Lord will give her a son. And we'll talk just a moment about what motivated her to want to give her son, but what, a, what an amazing gift to give to the Lord. And by no razor will come upon his head, she was referring to the Nazarite vow that was mentioned in Num- Numbers chapter 6 in which a young man, a young son, would not have his hair cut. No razor would be Put to his head, but his hair would be allowed to grow long, and that was a symbolic gesture to say there would be no outward influence upon him other than the Lord. There would not be any man-made thing put upon him changing him from the outside, and it was symbolic. <clears throat> I wish they would have had a Nazarite vow in the 1970s, and me and my parents wouldn't have thought so much about cutting my hair. <clears throat> I wanted to be a Nazarite in the 1970s. But there was also another symbolism with the Nazarite vow, and that was about something inward. They were not to drink wine, not drink intoxicating drink. And this was symbolic of how there was to not to be a controlling substance on the inside. So none on the outside, none on the inside. It was a, a commitment that they, they were making that the child was completely under the Lord's control. And this, this was Hannah's baby dedication moment. This was her doing what the Hicks and the Brooks family did. I'm sorry, I'm Taylor's. Um, what they did just a moment ago. Hannah was dedicating her son to the Lord. And this is what all all parents are to do. That even all family members are, are to be dedicated to the Lord. No controlling influence on the outside other than him no controlling influence on the inside other than him we are given over to the Lord Samson was a Nazirite that's why his hair was long and that's why he was so mighty and that's why the moment that his hair was cut his strength left him but Hannah what she was doing she was giving to the Lord through a promise through a vow and this is what we must do as well because the Lord takes that gift from us and he puts his hand on it and he uses it and blesses it in ways, many ways that we could never imagine. To illustrate that, I came across a story about a, a young man that told this story years and years ago. It was of Ira Sankey, who for years led music for D.L. Moody's Image even. even- evangelistic meetings. Uh, D.L. Moody, if you're not familiar with him, uh, he was the Billy Graham of the late 1800s. He held crusades all over the country. He was a great man of God. Uh, Led great revivals, and many people came to to know the Lord. His music guy was Ira Sankey, who uh, this story is told of him in 1875. He was traveling on a steamboat on Christmas Eve, And he was recognized by some of the passengers. And uh, they asked him to sing a song, and he agreed to do that. He sang uh, one of his favorite songs, which was entitled, Savior Like a Shepherd Lead Us. And after he sang the the verses of that song, uh, a man came up to him and said, were you in the Confederate Army years ago? And he said, yes, I was. He said, Can you remember, were you on picket duty on a bright, moonlit night in 1862? And Mr. Sankey said, yes, I was. And the man telling the story said, I was serving in the Confederate Army when I saw you standing at your post. I raised my gun and took aim. I was standing in the shadow, completely concealed, while the full light of the moon was falling upon you. At that instant you raised your eyes to heaven and you began to sing and you sang that very song that you sang tonight. The man holding the gun said, I'll be, he said um, I said to myself, let him sing a song to the end. I can shoot him afterwards. After the song was finished, man said, when you finished, it was impossible for me to take aim again because that was the song that my dear mother sang to me when I was a boy. God uses the influence of a praying family member, a praying mother in ways we can't even imagine to save lives, to preserve souls. Think of all the souls that were saved in the revival as as D.L. Moody went and preached, and I was saying sang. And all could have been different in that moment if that boy would have pulled that trigger. God uses the prayers, and He uses the promises and the commitments that dedicated people offer Him to do a great work. This is what we see in Hannah's life. She was a highly favored mother. But then that brings us to the last part of her story, and that is her giving her son as a present to the Lord. She went from a promise to a present. She did more than just saying, I'm going to do this. You know, you know in the heat of the moment, you can be uh, offering to the Lord a lot of things, but then the moment you have that child in your hand and you say, yes, Lord, I'm going to give this child to you, and it's more than just sending him off to kindergarten. That child was going off and he was not coming back. And this was the present that Hannah was giving to the Lord. We read about it beginning in verse 19. Then they rose early in the morning and worshiped before the Lord and returned and came to their house at Ramah. And Elkanah knew Hannah, his wife, and the Lord remembered her. So it came to pass in the process of time that Hannah conceived and bore a son and called his name Samuel, saying, Because I have asked For him from the Lord. Now the man Elkanah and all his house went up to offer to the Lord the yearly sacrifice and his vow. But Hannah did not go up, for she said to her husband, Not until the child is weaned, then I will take him, that he may appear before the Lord and remain there forever. So Elkanah, her husband, said to her, Do what seems best to you. Wait until you have weaned him. Only let the Lord establish his word. And the woman stayed and nursed her son until she had weaned him. And verse 26 says, and she, As she takes Samuel to back to the temple years later, and she sees Eli the priest, she said, O oh my Lord, as your soul lives, my Lord, I am the woman who stood by you here praying to the Lord. For this child I prayed, And the Lord has granted me my petition which I ask of him. Therefore I also have lent him to the Lord as long as he lives. He shall be lent to the Lord. So they worship the Lord there. What motivated Hannah to give such an amazing gift to the Lord? Well, number one, I would say it is because she knew and recognized that every child is a possession from the Lord the child really wasn't hers the child was the lord she was just giving back what the lord had given her in the first place that was tied into the name samuel that uh, was given to the child samuel means to be heard by the lord after you have asked and the scripture there in verse 20 says that in her own words that samuel was asked by for the lord from the lord And he gave him to her. So tied up in his name and his identity, uh, Hannah was saying and recognizing that this child is not really mine. He's the Lord's. That's why she was willing to give him. And his parents and his family members, we have to look at life in that same way. Our life has come from the Lord. In a very real sense, we're all Samuels. In a very real sense, all of us who have life, we have come from the Lord. Now, someone may not have asked specifically for us, but the Lord has worked and has brought all life that exists into this world. It's amazing. Those who keep up with the numbers say that, that every second there are two souls that are leaving the earth and going into eternity, every second of the day. At the same time, every second of the day, there are four souls, four lives that are coming into the world at the same time. Those come from the Lord. It is the spirit within man that the Lord has created, the Bible says. And, and Hannah recognized this. And this is why she was willing to freely give. I think there's a second reason. And that's because she knew that Samuel's life would be blessed greater if she gave him up. She wanted a child more than anything at that moment. But then as she prayed, God touched her heart, moved her heart, and she began to think differently. She began to realize, what I want more than anything else is for this child of mine to be blessed greater than any other way. And she knew the way to do that is to give that child to the Lord. That's why she dedicated the child to him in that way. Parents, we don't put our kids first by putting them first. We put them first, we bless them the greatest, by putting the Lord first in our lives and in their life as well. Hannah was portraying this great principle. That's why she was willing to to give this precious gift up. It was about the child. And then it was also about the Lord, verse 28 says that they worship the Lord there. So this was what was going on in her heart. She wasn't looking, doing this as a way to get back at her rival back home, to one-up her. She wasn't looking to make a name for herself. It was about giving the Lord the greatest gift that she could give. Highly favored giving highly exalts the Lord. That was what was in her heart. That's why she did it. She was wanting to honor the Lord in the best possible way. She was a highly favored mother. And just as she gave her son up, the Heavenly Father has given his son up for me and you so that we may have life, not just any ordinary life, but life at its greatest, a highly favored life. The Heavenly Father has sent his Son, the Lord Jesus Christ, and Samuel here is a type of him, and the Lord Jesus Christ is the one in whom all life is centered. And so if you're here this morning and you're struggling, and your life is empty, and you're wondering what your purpose is, and you're wondering why in the world you've even come into this world, here's your purpose. Your purpose is to come to know the one who has given you life. To know, to love, to serve the Lord Jesus Christ. That's your purpose. And that's a purpose that will fill you with meaning and satisfaction and abundance forever and ever. And this is what the Lord wants to do. The Lord wants to bless every life. But if we keep our life to ourself, then the Lord can't bless it. We'll only receive that little limited measure of blessing that we can create. But if we let it go and we surrender ourselves to him, we can receive the unlimited, highly favored, everlasting blessing that comes from the Lord. We bow our heads in prayer this morning.
0: Thank you for listening to this episode of The Central Word. Our prayer is that this message will encourage you in your walk with Christ as we dive into God's Word each and every week. Thanks again for joining us, and may God bless you in the week to come.